Hey Tea Crew, welcome to a brand new episode of Tea Talk with Sha. This is our 40th episode, if you believe it. And of course, today we're going to be talking about all the trending topics all over social media and the internet, as well as a deep dive on the must-see TV that I think is binge-worthy that you're definitely going to love. So stay tuned, you're not going to want to miss this episode. Hey guys, have you ever watched the news and thought to yourself, man... This isn't the whole story. Well, if you have that problem, I have the solution with the Look Into It podcast. Here, we look at society and culture and how it affects us from a black perspective. Make sure that you join our Facebook group and that you're following us on Instagram at the Look Into It podcast. Later days. All right, T Crew, let's get into these topics. So, the first one. Cher, if I could turn back time herself, is under fire for a tweet that she wrote out while watching the George Floyd case. And basically to summarize, the tweet said that Cher felt as if she would have been there um, during the scene of the crime that she could have prevented George Floyd's death. And what she said was more like, you know, I feel as though if I could have been there, I could have done something and I could have prevented this. Um, and honestly, I think what she was speaking about is the escalation of the situation. She feels like her celebrity may have gotten the situation to be de-escalated a little faster. Um, but she did come under fire because, you know, there's such thing as a white savior complex where people feel as though they can come into a situation being, um, you know, I think she's white and native American, but being, um, Caucasian and they can come into a situation and clear everything up because of, you know, their status, their skin color or whatever the case may be that they can come into a situation and just make that situation rectified, clear everything up one, two, three. And it really just kind of, um, made the situation seem a lot smaller than what it actually was. And it also kind of takes the attention away from the police brutality, the situation that, you know, what, um, that police officer Derek is up, you know, what he's being charged with. It's not just a situation of, oh, you know, wrong place, wrong time. The situation was escalated. No, it was definitely done on purpose and it was done with the intent to kill. So I think her tweet just rubbed people the wrong way because she was trying to minimize it in a way, but also I feel like it was just plain ignorance to the, the situation as a whole. And so Cher has come out and um, apologized for the tweet, calling it insensitive and uninformed that she's been able to speak with some of her close friends and family, people that she trusts and get a little more guidance and insight into the situation. And, you know, she just says at this time she chooses not to speak at all. And I honestly feel like that's the best way. Sometimes when you have a large platform, 
like Cher or other celebrities, you feel like you have to say something. But if you're not informed and educated on the situation, the different sides of the situation, as it were, then I just feel like maybe you shouldn't respond. Sometimes the best response is no response if you don't really know what you're talking about. And I don't mean that in any kind of, you know, disrespectful way or shade to share. But, you know, when you don't know what you're talking about, sometimes it's not the best um, to use your platform, millions of followers, to say things that may just be ignorant to the facts of the case that you just don't know about. And there's nothing wrong with not knowing about it. It's very triggering for a lot of people. So if you don't want to go through, you know, the intimate details and the facts of the case, then maybe it's just not the time for you to be commenting, you know, on these uh, legal proceedings that are going on right now surrounding the case. So she's apologized. Um, you know, people are still dragging her, but like I said, it's just kind of par for the course. When you have that kind of platform, you really have to watch what you're saying about almost everything you tweet, unless you're talking about food or something, you know? All right. So let's move on to the next topic, prayers for DMX. Unfortunately, DMX suffered an overdose Friday evening. Um, And at the time of recording, he's still in critical care. So the friends and family and all of his numerous, numerous fans are asking for your prayers and positive thoughts for DMX at this time. Family and friends gathered today for a huge vigil for him outside of his hospital um, bed, his hospital room where he's staying right now in critical condition, you know, playing his music, um, speaking about him encouraging him um and it it was really a beautiful showing there was tons and tons of people out there they had to put up roadblocks and everything um so traffic could flow and things like that but you know just hoping that he has a full recovery and he has had a very hard life he talks about his life um in some of the interviews and stuff on youtube you could probably find it but he definitely had a rough childhood where he was exposed to drugs really early on in his life and he just describes you know the demons that have been following him for a very long time as it pertains to his addiction um especially that he found christ and he's been doing better he's been praying with people he's been mentoring young men and, um, you know, really doing a lot of life-changing work. So I hope that he's able to pull through this and continue with that. So positive thoughts and prayers to him. Um, next, NBA Youngboy is being held until his trial. So I think a couple weeks ago, NBA Youngboy, his real name is Contrell, um, he was arrested on RICO charges, you know, those racketeering charges that the FBI um, builds against a person that, you know, pertains to many um, smaller crimes within a RICO charge, drug trafficking, guns, gun possession, um, burglary, robberies. Um, there's a lot of things that can go into a RICO charge. And so um, it has just been confirmed in his bail hearing that his lawyer requested a four a $540,000 bail um, bond, but it was denied um, based on the previous crimes that he's been, um, you know, that he's been 
uh, indicted in and other crimes that he's possibly, you know, hasn't been convicted of, but has been surrounding him and his person and things like that. The judge has decided that it would be safer for everyone that he's to remain in prison until his trial. Um, you know, this is terrible news for his many children and those children's moms because they have to deal with this situation now. Um, and so they are hoping that the decision can be reversed and that he can be on house arrest or have another option until his trial, because it will be a while. And, you know, these kids need a dad and they need kind of the income for some of them. I know some of the mothers are working and have their own careers and stuff. And some of them don't. And he, you know, I think he has about four or five kids already. So prayers up to those families and the situation is very real um but when the feds build a case against you I mean it is what it is I mean I think that it's terrible and I'm not saying that it should be held as an example but at the same time I think it's good for a lot of these younger men to see this that sometimes you know in the case of NBA young boy Bobby Shmurda other rappers that, you know, Lil Boosie, things can catch up with you. And when they do, you know, there's not going to be the whole entourage of people around that are around you when you're getting money. That's just not how it goes. It'll be one or two people, if if that, that will put money on your books and support you, your family, you know, really close friends, and that'll be it. I mean, Casanova has already said that since he's been picked up by the feds over the summer, People have not been returning his phone calls, that he's been sitting in jail, you know, with the support of his children's mom and his family. And that's about it. Um, So and that's right from the horse's mouth. People get in jail and you really start to see who your friends are. Just saying. (laughs) Speaking of jail. Jen Shaw has been arrested. Jen Shaw is a castmate on The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. And while filming season two, she was arrested while heading to Colorado on the cash trip. Uh, It looks like Jen was tipped off to her arrest and was not arrested in front of the other cast members. She was tipped off to the arrest and she faked a family emergency it's a, it, it's rumored that she actually said something happened to coach Shaw, her husband, and that she had to leave immediately. She was already on the bus to Colorado. She got off the bus and, um, you know, took her car home and that's where she was arrested and her assistant was arrested. Uh, charges vary, but I think the charge that may get her some time is the, um, telefraud. She and her assistant that was also on the first season of Salt Lake City, you'll see him going through her day with her and she calls in the Shaw squad. That man um, that was leading the Shaw squad, he's also um, being indicted on these charges. And basically what Jen would do was create websites and things for people over 55. She targeted older people to basically be kind of identified as good marks um, 
for pe- for people and businesses that, you know, would try to prey on them, get money from them, get them to sign up for MLM companies and stuff like that. So her and her assistant would create this list of names with contact information, home addresses, phone numbers, and things like that. And then these leads would be passed on to people that were trying to scam um, these elderly people. And that's how she made her money. You know, it's so ironic because when I, um, was watching the reunion and they were all talking about how they make their money. And a lot of them on, um, this show, this franchise, uh, spinoff particularly have rich husbands that make a lot of money, or they have like 20 businesses like Lisa. She is like the alcohol company. Her husband has all these companies. Even her sons have companies now. So it's just like, you know, you see where the money is coming from and that, you know, you keep producing all these companies that are doing pretty well. Like, money is creating more money. But in Jen's case, it's like, okay, you know, her husband is a coach for a college team and, um, he's been there for a long time, but it's just like, they live in a, you know, million dollar chateau and they're, you know, she threw him a $40,000 birthday party. Where is this money coming from? You know, these housewives just never seem to learn that when you get on TV and flaunt all this wealth, people start to wonder how you're making your money. And if you're not making your money legally, maybe you should not go on to a TV show. I just can't under her, Erica, I mean, Teresa and Joe. <sighs> I just can't. <laughs> anyway, on to the next topic, Earth, Wind and Fire versus the Isley Brothers. Y'all, last night. Easter Sunday night, the uncle music, as I call it, was in full effect. Steve Harvey hosted and DJ Nice DJed. And let's just say it was grown folks music. It was definitely grown folks music (laughs) on that Easter Sunday. Everybody was enjoying hitting a little two step. I saw some people had some little cognac in their stories with two ice cubes, real Mr. Big style. And, um, you know, I was actually driving home from my fiance's family's house, so I didn't get to see all of it, you know, live, but I watched some back on YouTube and it, you know, definitely was a vibe. Ron had his goatee matching his salt and pepper mink. I mean, the whole thing was definitely a vibe. I got my little two-step on, got my life. I mean, it's feel good music. So I'm glad they were able to come together and pull that together, especially on Easter with so many people being able to gather with their families and get up and have some wonderful like food, little wine, little drinks, you know, just relax, have the kids playing in the yard. It is starting to finally get a little closer to normal now that um people are able to get vaccinated so that's just a blessing so it was just a good day yesterday and the verses definitely added to that so shout out to verses for doing what they do and then the last trending topic this is so heartbreaking y'all i don't know if i can even get through this without getting emotional but the rumors are true as confirmed by the official Bridgerton Instagram page. The Duke of Hastings will not be returning next season. It was definitely a blow. You know, the Duke of Hastings is why I continued watching. I'll tell you that first episode, I was like courting, you know, it's a period show. 
you know, period as in, you know, the period, the era of the ladies and lords and all that. And I'm, you know, I'm watching it. I'm looking, you know, the costuming was great. I like the multicultural aspect of it, but it wasn't until I saw Duke Hastings fine behind that I thought to myself, all right, I'll watch another 10 hours of this. I cannot believe Shonda would drop the ball like this. I am heartbroken. I feel disrespected. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) So the books Bridgerton that the series is based on actually follows a different member of the family for all Um, it's like six or eight books, but I think it's eight books, but it follows a different member of the family every time. So the first one was Daphne, her courting, her, you know, coming of age story, so to speak. And it, well, I don't want to ruin it, but it kind of ends putting a little cap on her story, right? She becomes bleep. (laughs) I don't want to spoil it because some people haven't seen it, even though a lot of people have already seen it, right? So her, basically her story comes to a complete full circle moment. So now we're moving on to the oldest brother. Chapter two, the second book is about her oldest brother. And so I knew the Duke of Hastings wouldn't be in it a lot, but I thought he would make a cameo, you know, as Daphne's husband. Come on. Um, But yeah, he's left the show. But I have my own suspicions that he has left the show because he has been tapped to be the next James Bond. Now, everybody knows when you are James Bond, you cannot play anything else while you're playing James Bond. And if they're going to bring out a Bond movie in the next year, you can only play James Bond that year. And I honestly feel like he got tapped to be James Bond. He took the job and now he can't be in Bridgerton because the new season of Bridgerton is coming out this summer, y'all. So let's just keep our fingers crossed that Regine has gotten that new job because I need to see him as Bond. And if I can't see him in Bridgerton, I better see him in Bond. (laughs) All right, everybody, this has been our trending topic. Stay tuned for the sports report. Hello, hello, hello out there and welcome to the Sports Update with J-Rob. Today I will be covering the NBA, so let's get started. Let's first start with some news and notes. Uh, Charlotte Hornets guard Gordon Hayward will be out four weeks with a foot sprain. Grant Hill will be the next USA Basketball Managing Director. Now let me tell you the top three seeds in the Eastern and Western Conferences. Let's start with the Eastern Conference. The Philadelphia 76ers are the number one seed currently. The Brooklyn Nets are the number two seed currently. And the Milwaukee Bucks are the number three seed currently. Now let's move to the Western Conference. The Utah Jazz are the number one seed currently. The Phoenix Suns are the number two seed currently. And the Los Angeles Clippers are currently the number three seed. And this has been the Sports Update with J-Rob. Have an awesome week. All right, T-Crew, this is my favorite time of the podcast. This is when I get to do a deep dive on something that I've been thinking about all week or something I really just want to talk about or shine a light on. And we've been doing some heavier topics, so I figured it's definitely time for a TV episode. I've watched um, some great shows lately, so I'm going to put you on to those shows. And you know I talk TV, so let's get into some TV talk. 
Um, <laughs> the first one is The Irregulars. It's on Netflix and it's basically the second generation of crime solvers in the Sherlock Holmes and Watson story. Um, and then it has kind of like a supernatural twist. So in Irregulars, it's set in London. It's set in, you know, that grimy part of London where everybody's scrapping, you know, trying to get by type thing. And it basically talks about the children um, or the next generation of people growing up under Sherlock um, Holmes and Watson and like what they're going through and the trials and tribulations that Sherlock is still having, um, you know, with his deduction superpowers, but then also kind of being like a troubled, troubled man as they described him in the books and then several other movies that he was always addicted to something and there was always something else going on with him. So this show was really good for a number of reasons. Firstly, the music. It was kind of set in like a period piece, like they had the petticoats on and all that good stuff. But um, the music was new and like fresh, similar to Bridgerton. So it kind of gives you more of like a new feel. But at the same time, it's a period show. So it gives you all the old slang and then the London accents and the cute, you know, teen people. So that's always a plus. So I definitely recommend The Irregulars. That's on Netflix. And the show, the next show, I'm actually currently watching it now. Currently, guys, as I'm recording the podcast, it is paused because right after I finish recording for you, I'm going to continue watching for me. That's how good this show is. Um, It's called Serpent. It's also on Netflix. And it's basically the true story of a master con man who drugged and killed his victims for a better life in the 1970s. So basically, this man was growing up in, you know, late 50s, early 60s, or late 50s, and then into the 60s, I guess in his teen years or whatever. And he was biracial. Um, He was um, Asian, and he was also Indian. Um, so he just basically felt as though he didn't fit in anywhere and being a person of color, you know, where he just didn't feel like he was in the right places or that people would consider him to be, um, like they were, I believe he went to like a French boarding school or something like that. So he just never seemed to fit in because he was always othered all the time. And it kind of made him snap to the point where he figured if I can't get things the normal way that everybody else gets them through respect and education and getting a good job, then I'll just swindle everyone that I possibly can. So that's what he ended up doing. And this show is so wild y'all. So I'm on episode six, but I'll probably finish it in the next day or two because it's really, really good. But I would highly recommend it if you like true crime stuff, if you watch the Bundy series or any of the um true crimey shows. It does get a little graphic, um, but I wouldn't say it's all that graphic, but it does get a little graphic. So if you're sensitive to things like that, you may want to skip it, you know, trigger warnings for sexual assault, drug abuse, uh, violence, intimidation, all that, all that stuff. All right, let's move on to the next show. 
the con and the con is on ABC. Now, if you listen to the podcast regularly, you'll know that I talk about the con pretty often because I love, um, con shows things about, you know, fraud scams, all that. I'm so down for it. And so this series basically covers all the new twisty turny cons that are coming up is similar to like an American greed, but less about financial fraud and more about fraud and cons in general. And some of the, um, like notes and details or little things that I might pull from other for other podcast episodes actually came from the series The Con. I think I referenced it in those episodes, but some of them were the Doctor Con, the Prince Con, and I didn't really talk about the Hollywood Con, but that was their latest episode and it was really good. And for all those aspiring actors, singers, photographers, any creatives, you might want to watch that episode specifically because I hear this con is still going on and people are still pretending to do this, like pretending to be Hollywood agents and luring people into other countries and robbing them and all types of craziness. So if you're in that category, you might want to watch that one for some tips on how to stay out of that situation. The next one is WandaVision. It's a little bit older, but I feel like some people haven't seen WandaVision. I really liked it. It's on Disney+. Plus. It's the very next installation after Endgame. So that kind of puts the pieces together for you if you watch Endgame or if you're really into the Marvel Universe. And it's basically where Wanda, um, a.k.a. the Scarlet Witch, um, she goes and creates her own perfect world based on her favorite um, childhood TV shows. So since it's starting after all this chaos of the world ending and all the stuff that happens at Endgame, you know, everybody is traumatized. Everybody's trying to put the pieces back together. So many people are missing. So many people are dead. So many people, they don't know what happened to them because, you know, they reversed everything, but still some people don't know where their loved ones are and stuff like that. Like, that's just like the aftermath of everything that happened. So this is kind of starting there. And it's a really good show. I know at first I wasn't really into it. I was like, what did I just watch? I didn't want to watch the second one because you know how Disney Plus is. They only give you one episode per week. It's the worst. You cannot binge it. Um, because they, unless you wait for all of them to come out. So it's just like week to week, you can get disinterested. But as it went on, it really, really was a good show. And I recommend it, um, especially the ending. So I'm like now like chomping at the bit for season two. But that leads me to my last recommendation. And the next recommendation, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It's also on Disney Plus, And it's basically like the carrot that they dangled after they um <laughs> played the last WandaVision episode. So this is after Endgame as well. But it's not directly after. It kind of seems like some more time has passed in this one. Um, and it is basically the government has produced a new Captain America because it was just taking too long for someone else to step up to the shield and they wanted the people to feel safe and protected. So they basically hired a regular man um, to be Captain America and they're, you know, showing how that plays out. It's a good show, especially if you like Marvel stuff like I do, you know, it's definitely a lot of good background stuff into some of the 
things that happened in Endgame, people's character continuations, a little more origin story, a little more background on some of the people that you may have seen in Endgame, but you didn't know who they were. There's a lot of explaining of that <laughs> in um, Falcon and Winter Soldier. So that's another reason why I like it. So those are just five shows that I can't stop watching or that I binged probably right away. Um, I hope you watch them. You like them. Let me know which ones are your favorites in the comments on our Instagram page or our Facebook page and stay tuned for our outro comments. Okay, T-Crew, this is my least favorite part of the podcast where I have to say goodbye to you. I want to thank everyone that listens to the podcast, shares the podcast, puts it on their list and tags us. You guys are amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much for doing that. It really helps to get the podcast out there to more listeners. Um, As always, arrest the cops that killed Breonna Taylor. We won't stop until she gets the justice that she deserves. Have a beautiful day or night wherever you are. And I love you for listening. Bye.